Hello, thank you for listening to the Theatrical Mustang Podcast. It's episode 81 with Christopher Jewell. Christopher is the founding artistic director of Local Jewel Productions. We talk about their current production of Lilies, or the revival of a romantic drama, by Michel Marc Bouchard and translated by Linda Gaboru, which runs through this weekend at the Ballard Underground. We also discuss the relevance of such a tale in today's cultural climate, what has changed and what hasn't. Tickets are available at localjewel.com, and that's local, L-O-C-A-L, jewel, J-E-W-E-L-L.com. There's a link right on the homepage. Thank you so much. I hope you enjoy the episode. Thank you to today's sponsor, Island Shakespeare Festival. ISF is Whidbey Island's professional regional repertory theater. Their 2016 summer season runs July 8th to September 11th with As You Like It, directed by artistic director Susanna Rose Woods, Julius Caesar, directed by award-winning Seattle director Corey McDaniel, who's also the producing artistic director of Theater 22, and finally Julie Beckman will direct her award-winning adaptation of Jane Eyre, which premiered at Book It Rep in 1999. For more information about Island Shakespeare Festival, visit their website at www.islandshakespearefest.org and check out their Facebook page. Hello, thank you so much for listening to the Theatrical Mustang podcast today. This is Alina in for Katie Woodzik, once again. I guess I don't really need to say in for Katie Woodzik anymore because I do enough of You're these like, to say. on my own. I say that every time and then I don't really You are know yours, why, but yeah. Yeah, I'm my own my own person now. Yeah, with you're this. in for yourself. I'm in for me. Uh, and I am here today with Christopher Jewell of Local Jewel Productions. And we're going to talk about his current production of Lilies, which is currently running through April 9th at the Ballard Underground. Correct. Thank you so much for being here yeah. today. So I'd love to jump in and kind of hear about what... I know um, I know Michael C. Robinson, who's, yeah. who's uh, acting in the show, um, and he was telling me that this is a play that you've been wanting to produce and direct for a long time, and yeah. I'm so interested in why and what yeah. what speaks to you about it, and where did you learn about it? It's not a play I've heard of. So. Yeah, a lot of people <laughs> have it. Um, yes, I actually saw the movie. It's The movie's the same title, Lilies. Mm-hmm. Um, the play's title is Lilies or uh, The Revival of a Romantic Drama. And it was originally a French play written by a Quebec playwright mm-hmm. and translated into English. And the movie came out in 1998 called Lilies. And I saw the movie and I loved it. I thought it was very romantic. And it is about a gay love triangle. But what I loved about it is is there was, back then, when I saw the movie, there was not a lot of gay-themed movies that were authentic to what I felt was a true relationship. Yeah, definitely. I think a lot of movies focused on going out and the sexual side of it, mm-hmm. the drugs, Glorifying all that, that yes. kind of, yeah. you know. Side of it. So definitely. I was impressed with that. And the originality and the artistic side of it. The movie is stays very true to the play. And the play takes place in 1952 in a Quebec prison. And one of the prisoners who has been spent 30 years in prison has brought a friend who is a bishop 
into the prison for somewhat what he thinks, the bishop thinks, is a uh, confession. The prisoner who's brought him in is named Simone, and he has been in prison for what he believes he did not do, a murder of his friend and lover. Mm -hmm. So he brings the bishop in, traps him, and has all the prisoners put on this play to retell the story, mm. which is the revival side of the title, the revival of romantic drama, is reviving this story of Simone and his friend and lover, Valier, and how um, they were involved and how it ended up Valier being killed, where Simone feels like he is not responsible for it. But and it's hard because I don't want to give too much away sure, at the end, yeah. <laughs> but um, through, so you see this retelling of the story and the bishop is witnessing, just like you as an audience member, is witnessing this play mm. unfold that takes place in 1912 when they were younger boys. And the bishop is also a younger character. And so you see how he is oh, wow. played into this. And it's pretty great. And it's neat because the prisoners retell this story. So to go back to the movie, they stayed very true to that. The movie starts in the prison, and when they go back to their 1912, it is real. They're out in a, in a real hotel, so it's very tangible. But they stayed true to the play where it's all men, which is a requirement of doing the play, all men putting on the play mm -hmm. um, and playing all the characters, including the female characters. And so I was very much drawn to that. I thought it was a beautiful story. So then I read the play, and it's been about 10 years, and I just felt like this was the right time to do it. I felt like Ballad Underground was the, we had booked the space, and I thought it was kind of a raw it's space. It's a great, so it great. space for, yeah. for what I visualize when you're telling me about the story. I, what a perfect yeah. space for it. Absolutely. Yeah. It's so dark and creepy. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Creepy, yes, almost. yes, it is. It works great. <laughs> In a beautiful way. <laughs> so that's yeah, what led me to yeah. it and why I thought um, this would be a good time to do it. And what makes this a good time to do it, do you think? For me, um, I have run Local Jewel for productions for five years. Mm -hmm. um, I have, in that time, done plays that I've, like Spring Awakening, the non-musical version, was probably that. one of my most challenging and one that I'm most proud of. Um, we also did Other Desert Cities, which was uh, incredibly challenging, but I was very proud of that. And then I also have directed shows that I did not love, um, but it just seemed like the right show to do. And so I have learned in my own directing um, preferences, I I'll never do that again. I'll never direct a show that I'm not somehow drawn or attached to. And Lily's is a very artistic piece, and I've done a lot of shows that are very realistic. For example, our last show that I directed was The Rainmaker, mm -hmm. and it's very tangible. Everything is very real, and I like a show like this that allows me to be a lot more free with interpretation of set and costume, and so I felt like I was ready for that. The team that I work with are great people, and they all supported it, and they said, yeah, I think it's the right time to do this, and our season, we did Frankie and Johnny in the Claire de Lune, which oh, is another okay, director sure. directed, which is a small cast. Mm -hmm. We did the reading of Elf, which was just a fun fundraiser. And so this felt like a good balance mm -hmm. of a larger cast. Do you and, feel like also the current political climate and the way these stories are, are starting to be told? I mean, yeah. I feel like now, finally, there are a few more mainstream stories being told of actual 
love stories yeah. and just the humans yes. involved in yeah. these love stories that are just people right. loving each other. And right. Regardless it's, of. Yeah. It seems like that's finally kind of breaking through yeah. a little bit. Yeah. So do you feel like that impacted at all your choice of putting the show on now? Or? Yeah. It's funny because I it did come across my mind, but almost the opposite. Where oh, I interesting. Thought, Is this going to be interesting enough? Is this still oh. a taboo yeah, yeah. type of subject that people, or is it old news, especially being in Seattle, right? and being gay myself, I I know that it was important for me to tell, but I didn't know if people would care. Mm-hmm. I'm originally from Boise, Idaho. So if I was to live there and put on this play, I feel like it would definitely impact. Mm-hmm. Seattle, we're so lucky in how supportive, and so i Selfishly, I think I did it more because it was something I wanted to do and a story I wanted to tell. But I did worry about will people will people have an impact or will they say this is kind of old mm-hmm. news? Because it really is. In 1912, these boys are in love and um, one of them gets beaten by his father because of just because he kissed a boy. Mm-hmm. Um, so there is a lot of themes. And, you know, whenever I direct a show, I try to find an underlying theme for the whole show for my own... Um, to keep me kind of on pace of every decision I make supports that, but also for the actors, the designers. And this for us was seeking truth. Mm -hmm. And I really feel like every character was seeking truth, not only for themselves, but also seeking truth of what happened in their past, seeking truth of how they really felt about somebody, their own truth and how they feel, um, what love means to them. So I don't know if I answered your question. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, I think so. I mean, I think... Even though it is, we do live in, you know, a local culture that is the best. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's just the best. This area is the best area. Um, but I still think that enough of the world is so behind in that way that even if it's not a shocker yeah. to our local culture, it's still a totally important story that needs to keep being told and we need to be reminded. Yeah, I agree. Well, and it's interesting because the play, um, the playwright and even the uh, company that I got the rights from are in Quebec. Mm -hmm. And it's surprising to me that so few people know this story because it really is, so to your point, I think it is still very important. I think it was done in um, California um, it has that, it's the premiere in Seattle. It's the first time we've done it, and, and even in the Northwest. Mm. I think the last time it was done was in, I want to say L.A., but it could, could have been somewhere else in California. That, So it's not a very um, told story. Mm-hmm. It's not brought to the stage very often. I think for a couple reasons, I think because it's from Canada, it's just yeah. doesn't get that notary. For some, there are some stunning Canadian yeah, plays that just need to be done. Crack, do you know Crackwalker? The crack uh, oh my god, that is like one of the most a beautiful. A recent play, or is it um, something older? It's like, I mean, I worked on it when I was in acting school, which was almost ten years ago. Oh, so yeah. it's not. Yeah, yeah. It was probably about ten years old then, so yeah, it's not new. Yeah. But it's yeah, it's beautiful. interesting. It's. I, I think that also it's an all male cast, and uh-huh. as we know, in the acting world, it's often hard to find an all male cast. Um, especially nine. Yeah. There's nine of them in yeah. this play. All wonderful yeah. actors. So I've, I've been very blessed in that aspect. Mm-hmm. But Men playing the female roles, and then now knowing that there's a female-male love story. Yeah. But not really. Yes. But, like, you know, the ideal, the cultural ideal of yes. what a relationship is. 
But then, as the audience seeing it, we're seeing two men yes. play that story. Yeah. That's really interesting. Can you yeah. talk about that? Yes. <laughs> That's another draw that I think is so brave and so creative yeah. in this story. Is, and when you um, get the rights for any play, you have your... Um, royalties that you are paying for but then you also have to adhere to their rules for the show and the number one is is you cannot cast women in this play mm-hmm. because I think the whole point is is having men like you said play these female parts being in a relationship but then also having two males play this love relationship that is the perfect representation of what this play is yeah. all about yeah. and the oppression of that uh-huh. um that's the other big thing that I tried to approach was as I, and I was really curious when we auditioned men, I didn't say anything and I just said they are playing the female parts. This is a female character. There's three um, females. The Countess, which I mentioned, is in her 40s. Lydia Ann is in her 30s, uh, well-to-do. The Countess is um, a little bit crazy. And then the Baroness, played by Scott O'Neill. Um, and I didn't want this to be about um, men putting on drag mm-hmm. and having a falsetto voice uh-huh. and making a caricature of these female characters. To me, it was about the characters just as much as it is about the love relationship. Yeah. Not focusing on that there are two men or that it's a man playing a woman. And I was really pleased that every single person that auditioned and mainly why these men got cast was uh-huh. they didn't make it a character uh-huh. they really tapped into who this woman is cool. they don't have falsettos they don't have um, they're not focused on what their interpretation of a woman is mm-hmm. they're focused on the characterization of mm-hmm. it of this yeah. character yeah. Um, there are mannerisms of course that we worked on uh-huh. um, the Gregory who plays Lydian it was really fun for me to see him come through this character because when, he's never played a female before. He has a little bit in Shakespeare. He's done Shakespeare. And so, uh-huh. um, again, I, I wanted to see what he came with. Mm-hmm. And I actually told him to watch, after a couple um, rehearsals, told him to watch the movie um, The Danish Girl. Mm. Oh, Which, yeah, yeah. is um, Eddie Redmayne. Yeah. Redmayne. Red Redmayne. Oh, Eddie Redmayne. And his discovery of what it means to be a woman, yeah. and it was Gregory going through that same thing, and his exactly. mannerism started to change in rehearsals, and I remember all of us going, wow, we really like just the simple things he does, uh-huh. but it's so honest, um, and you know, he has a, a scene where he gets very hurt, mm-hmm. um, and his character gets hurt in, uh, emotionally, and it's a very honest moment for me because I feel like it's him being a human, being hurt, regardless of whether she's a female or a male. Mm-hmm. Um, and so my hope for them was is that it was as fun to discover that. Um, I had a, a friend who came saw the show, and for a lot of guys have beards too. And we talked a lot about that. Should we shave the beards? And I said, no, I don't mind the beards because... It's, it's prisoners putting on these characters. Right. And I'm okay with them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she said, it's funny because at first it was kind of through you that this man comes out and he's got a lace dress on and, and then the beard like melts away and you mm. 100% believe that this is a woman. Uh, yeah. So I, I liked that. I, I was curious to see what they brought and they all do a really great job. They all found different characterization, but... 
I also, we talked a lot about, you're a prisoner, so what's your prisoner character? And it's that character that's playing this woman. So they really got to create two different characters. So, and all the costumes, props, yeah. The props, the set, that we stayed very true, and I had my designers, sound designer, costumes, had to keep reminding me even, they're prisoners, what would they have had access to? So it feels kind of raw when you watch it. Uh, yeah. Like the tables and the props um, and the costumes aren't a frilly, beautiful dress you buy at Macy's or whatnot. It's uh -huh. the costume designer, Joe Manson, we stayed, and Aaron Stewart helped as well. What would these prisoners have had? Curtains, blankets, sheets, and that's what the costumes would come out of. I think the interesting thing about this play is, is that because these boys, especially the Simon character, because he's so oppressed in the way that he his freedom to love this other person um, who happens to be male. I think because of that and his friend Bilodeau, who's the bishop, because they're oppressed in their feelings is what results in the death of Valle mm -hmm. because it ends up being somewhat of a love triangle. And today, I think if people are allowed to love freely whoever they feel like they want to love, whether they're gay or not, if it's the same sex or not, um, we don't have to struggle with that oppression mm -hmm. and, and that fear of if I admit of how I love somebody, what's going to happen, and all of that results in what happens at the end of the play mm -hmm. and this, this boy being killed. So, um, local jewel productions, mm -hmm. five years. Can yeah. you talk a little bit about what made you kind of want to start your own yeah. company? There's a lot of, I, and I think there's more fringe companies now in yes. Seattle than there have been maybe ever, but... Yeah, um, I agree. What was the inspiration behind that? Yeah, it's interesting because I think there's more, even in the five years that I've been doing this, there's yeah. they, they are just more and more, even <laughs> in that time frame. But um, I graduated from University of Washington with my theater degree, um, and I've always directed. I started directing when I was about 17 years old. Wow. Um, in Boise, doing various, for the mm -hmm. city, I did children's theater and always loved directing. Um, got my degree and was struggling at getting hired and theaters around town and I have also choreographed a lot and so I was getting hired to choreograph and I was getting very tired of that um, so I tried to break into oh, okay I would, I'd like to direct and kept telling all these theaters I can also direct um, and I c just couldn't get hired they, they wanted to see work in order to hire me but I wasn't doing work so how could they hire you know that yeah. typical yeah. So um, I studied with Val Valerie Curtis Newton, who's now oversees the directing program at University of Washington, the graduate program. But I was lucky enough to study with her as an undergraduate before, and she's definitely someone I would name as a mentor and someone that influenced me a great deal in my approach and how, to, how I analyze plays. And I told her once, it's really hard to get hired, and she said, that's why you just need to do your own work. Well, at the same time, my dream is to have been to own my own theater. And for since I was a young kid, I've, that's been, I've always envisioned I will own my own theater someday. Mm -hmm. And we were sitting at breakfast, and uh, my husband and I and a good friend, and I was telling them, yeah, I want to direct, and I can't get hired, and one day I'll, I'll open my own theater. And he said, why aren't you doing it now? And I thought, oh, yeah, you're right. Why aren't I doing it? <laughs> so I started Local Jewel and thought, I'll just see what happens. And honestly, when I started it, my focus was not the audience but the actors, because I found in Seattle, it can be a very 
it's a lot of theater. It can be a very demanding on new people and a hard way to break in. So, for example, you go to an audition and they want a headshot, a resume, and I wanted to provide an outlet for people that maybe only did this on their side. Mm -hmm. um, or people that were new exploring it or somebody that, hey, I haven't acted for 20 years and I'd like to get back into it. So they could come to audition. They don't have to have a headshot. They don't have to have a, a resume. Um, if they want to hold their monologue and audition, um, of course, over time, we have grown with that a little bit, mm. but uh, that was my main focus of why we started. Um, and the first play I did was one I wrote. So talk about starting, <gasps> I know. <laughs> a new... Wow. And we did one run weekend. Mm -hmm. uh, it was great. Uh, it was, I learned a lot, and it was a lot of fun. And then I thought, okay, well, let's just do another play. We did it about six months later. We did Spring Awakening, because I wanted to prove to people that I can direct a show that's not my own. And then... Um, I brought in uh, people to help, and somebody that I was working with me convinced we should do seasons. So this was our second full season that we did. So that's why I started Local Jewel. I'm very now having to really focus on why does somebody outside want to come and see our plays. And it's a lot harder than I thought to communicate that. Yeah. Because I feel like we do great work, but what's different from us than any other theater? Yeah. But, having to articulate that is yeah. like, <laughs> yeah. you know that it what it is but uh -huh. yeah that's challenging what attracted you to directing as a young person you said you started directing at 17 yeah. that's pretty yeah. yeah I have I think I fell into it by accident I worked for the city uh, Boise Parks and Recreation uh, and taught dance and started doing my, actually my mother taught a drama class and has never done theater in her life and she did it for young kids and I used to go and help but this was probably when I was in junior high and um, I have always been attracted to teaching and mentoring. Mm -hmm. I, it is a great love of mine. And directing kind of fell in line with that. I loved being able to help someone discover characters and understanding and seeing them, seeing what they can bring to the table and then helping shape and mold that. And when I first started, the first full play I did was The Little Mermaid. <laughs> we redid it with kids. You know, they were all full. And we did it in the summer. And... Yeah, I just loved it. And I, it was so exciting to see the kids get excited about it, but I had no idea what I was doing, blocking, and I didn't know what any of that meant. <laughs> um, and over time, I just have really grown to love it. And when I started Local Jewel, my first play, I, I remember coming back from rehearsal that first day and thought, this is totally what I need to be doing. And um, so I love it. Yeah. When I grow up, that's what I want to be as a director. <laughs> <laughs> Do you find that you have a similar kind of technique that you use for mm. show after show that is your process that you return to and return yeah. to, or is it different for every production? That's a good question. I would say for the most part, and actors that I've worked with, uh, you know, you mentioned Michael mm -hmm. C. Robinson. He's been in a couple of plays, and um, I would love to see what they say about uh -huh. my directing, but um, I think I do have a process that I work with every show. Mm -hmm. I definitely learn from every show. There's things that I've done that I look back and go, okay, I'll never do that again. But Like uh, what? Or, yeah, <laughs> really. Um, I think, for example, blocking too strictly. So, for example, giving them too much to, and then taking away from what they can bring to the table. Sure. Um, you know, my process really is, is when I read a play, I read it I can't even tell you how many times. And so, for example, Lily's, 
I had read it many times in the past, but hadn't revisited it probably for five, six years. Mm. So when I read a play, whether I'm revisiting it or reading a new one, I read it as a complete audience member. Just know I try to take all uh, my director vision off mm -hmm. and just read the play. Uh, First impressions. Yeah. And, yeah. yeah. And then I read it again as just, okay, I start trying to really dig in and understand the play. And I, it's just like an onion. Every time I read it, I try to unravel. And I've learned for myself, I have to fully understand the play in order to make any decisions on even set or blocking what we want, our theme, the characters, what kind of um, focus I'm going to bring to the play. I think if I jump onto that too soon, then I've made the wrong choices because I haven't really mm. understood. So I have to get that basis oh, before I really start. So it's probably a good two months of just reading and doing a lot of research. Like for this, the f focus is St. Sebastian at the beginning, the play within the play within the play. Mm -hmm. So I had to do a lot of research on St. Sebastian so I could understand what does he bring? What is that character? Or not character, but what does that um, aspect yeah. bring to this play? Yeah. And then I really start, when I get into that directing mode, I start high level, kind of blocking out very, like, okay, at the beginning of the scene, this is where I needed to start, and then the end, this is where I needed to end. Mm -hmm. My goal is to, when an actor comes in, is, is to, I want to see what they have to bring, and then I shape based on that, um, versus molding them from the very beginning. Mm -hmm. um, so those are the things that I revisit, I think, mm -hmm. oftentimes. And every play's different. You know, this one required a lot of research. Whereas yeah. other plays, it, it, it kind of Well, two different much. time periods. Yeah. yeah. And all of the, I mean, how the cultural climate changes from 1912, I'm sure, to yeah. then 1952. And where in the world is it? Is it's, it set in Quebec? Yep. Or? Yep. Um, we chose Kingston Prison, which is a famous, famous prison mm -hmm. um, outside of Quebec. Um, but the 1912 takes place in Roboval, which is also outside of Quebec, but all in that same area. And Roboval at that time was a farm town, mm -hmm. I mean, very small. But one thing that, to your point, I really tried to... Uh, Michelle Marc Bouchard, who was the playwright, or is the playwright, mm -hmm. I, I, I still don't know, but why did he decide 1952? He wrote it in the 80s, right. so what about the 50s, I know to get it into 1912, mm -hmm. which was obviously a time where it was very oppressed and um, challenging to be gay, mm -hmm. but even the 50s would have been that. So it's interesting to me that he chose to go so far back to go, you know, 30 years before. Well, it's 1952 is 30 years before when it was written, right? Yeah. So it's that kind of yeah. generational thing. Yeah, very true. Which is interesting mm -hmm. to, to look at. If it had been set in the early 1980s, how yeah. would that change right. the story of the young boys? For, you which know? would have been 52. Yeah. 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 There's several lines. Um, Simon character, who mm -hmm. the younger version, which Michael mm -hmm. plays. Michael's getting a lot of yeah, mentioning there. Yeah, Yeah. <laughs> um, he has a, a line that when his character, when Simone's father finds out that Simone was kissing another boy, he beats him, and uh, 
Simon is telling that story of what it was like when his father beat him. And his father says, um, pulled out dresses that his mother used to wear and say, is this what you're going to wear now? Um, and my own mother's response to me being gay was that same exact line. Is, are you going to now wear dresses? Mm -hmm. And I feel like the playwright, a lot of, probably because he is also gay, his experience coming out, I feel like a lot of what he went through comes through in the play with lines like that, mm -hmm. um, which obviously drew me to it. It's very heartbreaking and um, very healing to talk about it and do this play as well. Mm -hmm. um, and it's interesting because obviously we have nine men a lot of them are straight, and so... Yeah, I was just going to ask. Thank you for bringing that up. Um, how do you work with that? How do yeah. you... Um, because that's, you know, I think I have heard that conversation in among theater artists of, you know, talking about, well, you can't play trans unless you're trans. Uh, yeah. You can't play... Um, whatever it might be, unless you are that. Um, which I... I understand that argument, but I also think that if you're trans, you can play anything you want to play. Yes, right. And if right. you're gay, you can play anything you want to play. Yeah. And if you're not, you can play any... It's, a, it's all about bringing the truth of the human condition out, yeah. which we all experience in our own unique way. There's no universal experience that we all share except for what is universal. Yeah, yes. So, and the conversation so. <laughs> of color as well has been yeah, a huge yep. in Seattle right now. And it one is. of the best things I saw was, and I have had an actor ask me, are you colorblind when you do, do colorblind casting? And it took me off guard because I thought, I've never really thought of that. And yeah. I, I, I think my response was, well, yes, I think if it's appropriate to the, the role, it doesn't take away from the role, absolutely. But the best thing I, I read that I thought, it summed it up was color conscious casting where I've seen shows that it took really place is. in the, it, it has it, to be I agree and if you have a character that is in the 40s I saw a play that was in the 40s and the um, boss of this newspaper was African American mm -hmm. and I struggled with that the actor was and I struggled with that because it would not have and he would, ran a newspaper and it just did not coincide with what that time period was so I felt bad that it was a deterrent for me, and I was a little confused. Um, but for Lily's, the I really did not want it to be about being gay. Mm -hmm. And there might be some LGBT people that listen to this that get frustrated with this, but for me it was more about a, a, a relationship. Absolutely being gay was what um, puts... Um, Valier at risk and how he ultimately is um, killed is because of the relationship that they have. So there's definitely an aspect of it. But what I didn't want is, for example, if you look up this play on Google search, the posters are, it's like looking at soft porn. <laughs> and the um, designer that did the poster, we laughed a lot because I, I think a lot of people that probably have put on this play um, did focus on the sexual aspect, just like all the movies I was talking about at the beginning uh -huh. of this interview. Yeah. All those all those movies that I saw growing up were always right. about sex, and and to me it was more about love. Um, so I, 
it was never an issue. I mean, of course, I asked all the actors that were auditioning, do you feel comfortable kissing another same sex? Mm-hmm. Um, there's some kissing, but it's not, you know, too inappropriate. Um, and then after that, we never really talked about it. We did talk a lot about being gay, and a lot of the actors, I meet with all the actors individually mm-hmm. um, during rehearsals, and several of them we talked about, do you feel like your character's gay? And it was interesting to see their response to that. Mm-hmm. Um, and it always came down to, it didn't really matter right. whether the character's gay or not. At that time, they were falling in love and were attracted to somebody that was their same sex. Mm-hmm. Would they have continued on and married a female after this relationship? Who knows? But in that moment, that's what it is. Right. Um, so Just about the love and right. about right. youth and hormones. Yeah. Yes, and exactly. Like... Exactly. But throughout the whole play, the way that it's written isn't really, to me, about love as much as getting close to heaven. Mm. And so when you see the play, it'll make a lot more sense. But Bilodeau, who's the bishop, the younger version of him, is very much drawn to Simone, which is part of the love triangle. And he says to Simone over and over again, you are a saint. And the actor that plays Billado, the younger version, Jordan Firmstead, we talked a lot about whether he was gay or not, his character. And for Jordan, and I agree with him, is, is it's more about getting close to heaven. And he sees Simone, whether he's sexually attracted to him, physically, whatever his attraction is, in his mind, he sees him as a saint. And a saint is closest to heaven Mm -hmm. and Bilodeau is very much focused on the church and wants to go get his um, go to seminary he says many times I want I just need to be your friend I need to save your soul if he saves his soul his soul saved so it's not really about for those boys defining whether I'm gay or not but the fact that they struggle with their feelings is what plays into that Mm -hmm. and what they're allowed to freely admit to how they feel well in friendship too can sometimes those lines can be blurred with you know when you have a friend that you're in love with in a way you know and it might not be necessarily sexually driven right but and confusing when you're that age and these boys are at that age is I know that I like how I feel when I'm with you, and that's a line that's said a lot in the play. I I like how I feel when I'm with you. And Valier kind of pushes, but what is that? What is that? Mm -hmm. Um, And Simone's character has a hard time saying love, which many of us do today, even Mm -hmm. as we get older. Right. Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, even in any kind of relationship, it's not, doesn't really matter if it's same sex or Mm -hmm. not. Right. Whatever. It's always hard to acknowledge our feelings to find that truth. So I think that's a really interesting through line for you, seeking truth. Yeah. You mentioned before. Yeah. yeah, And two things that... that, um, It's already confusing enough, like you said, being in love with someone or how you feel about someone. Imagine then being afraid to say that I love this person and not being allowed to love that person, which is that whole other layer, which brings in the the homosexual side of it where that is an important piece of it. Because if if it wasn't an issue, a lot of this probably wouldn't have happened. 
Um, it reminds me of when um, the actress from Sex and the City. Um, oh, I can't think the of her one? name. The main one? Which one? The, so Jessica Parker? Uh, no, or? Uh, Miranda. Okay. Um, Cynthia Nixon. Yes, thank you. Where she fell in love with a woman. And yeah. she's in a relationship, has children. And I remember they were on Oprah, and Oprah could not get past the fact. But you have never been in a relationship with a woman before. And I, I remember feeling bad for Cynthia Nixon because it wasn't about that. <laughs> right. And I, it's, I, I fell in love with this person. She happens to be a woman. I don't think that's possible for everyone mm-hmm. to be that free. But this is a perfect, that is a, a modern day example, I think, of what this play is and these boys go through yes. is as if they could just love who they wanted to and yeah. not have to figure out, well, I've never loved a boy before, but I like uh-huh. how I am with you. Yeah. Um, it was frustrating to me to see that. That is, Her yeah, reaction to it. And I think, I wonder if that is something in our today society that is becoming more common and more okay. Yeah. I have yeah. several friends who have recently been in or, you know, are in relationships of the same sex and they have previously identified as straight and yeah. had partners of the opposite sex yeah. and then yeah. met this person and we're like, oh, okay. This is good. Turns yeah, out. yeah, it turns out. <laughs> I like how I feel when I'm with you. Yes, you know? Yeah, I think yeah. that's great. I also have a friend that was straight then ended up in a relationship with a woman, same uh-huh. sex, and then when I saw her recently, she said, I'm married now to a man. I was like, okay. Uh-huh. And it was kind of like, oh, but... I think that's great that people can explore that as long yeah. as you're not hurting someone else. Right, yeah. I think what's hard is is confusing love with, like you were talking about, that friendship, that yeah. strong attraction to somebody. It's yeah. kind of like your work crush or what, whatever. Right, yeah. When you admire someone's whatever it is about them. Yep. Could yeah. be professional or could yes. be um, saintly, you know, if you see something yeah. in them that you aspire to be. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think... Which is, it yeah. it's, goes to that line again in the play where he says, I, I, I like the way I feel when I'm with you, is really, that's what it's about. I mean, yeah. I'm married and I like the way I feel when I'm with him, uh-huh. the way I feel. Yeah. And that's what relationships are all about. Right. Look at us. We're having a regular all <laughs> <laughs> therapy. Uh, We've learned awesome. so much about life. I know, I know. <laughs> it is a great story. It's very, that you know, um, the theme is Saint Sebastian also um, wanted to die for his martyrs um, because they were uh, Christians and they were not allowed to be. So I think the reason that it starts with that play is is he is the ultimate sacrifice and gives up his life for them. Mm-hmm. That theme runs through. Um, Valet's mother um, struggles with that and then also at the end where Simone, um, and I don't think I'll give too much away, but they... Um, want to, Simone suggests, we should die for each other so that we can, the ultimate sacrifice for each other. Um, So maybe a part of the time period being so specifically chosen, you know, that seems to be a common theme prior to, uh, in in culture and society, Mm -hmm. that we should die for each other. Mm. That comes up in a lot of plays and Mm. stories about homosexual love, Mm -hmm. you know, in, um, is it in Cat on a Hot Tin Roof? The, the, yeah, with Maggie and her husband's 
lover, mm-hmm. right? And then I he so. dies, and then so th- that it just evoked that for me. That like, and there's something else. Oh, um, have you heard of the play Peter and Alice? That's another like, um, I think so. Unknown. It, um, Peter Pan and Alice yes. Little. It is a beautiful uh, play. It is a beautiful play, and that's another thing that comes up in that play. The um, one of Peter's brothers um, is in a homosexual relationship, and they the imagery in the play they talk about them walking into the water together and drowning. Oh, that's right. And that's like similar time period too. Yeah. So I wonder if that's uh-huh. you know that. Um, if the, the time period couldn't be contemporary yes, in the yeah. 80s because of that kind of... Very true. Because they, their only choice to be together was in death. Yeah. And I think that's the romantic piece to me, that notion of being able to give up everything for someone. That's the ultimate sacrifice. Right. And I remember when I saw the movie, I always said, this is a very romantic story to me, and I think that's the piece that is that romantic piece. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's very true. You don't hear about that in stories. In, and maybe that's why this isn't um, a more well-known is because it is a very, you know, the gay community, especially in the 80s and up, that, that wasn't a focus for them. Mm-hmm. Um, that's really interesting, too, though, to think about, you know, the 80s and 90s in the gay community mm-hmm. and what death meant in, oh, you know, in that time. Was not a choice. Right. Right. That's a good point. So then this play that deals with death. Yeah. You know, historically. Yeah. It came, the, um, the movie was, he wrote it, in, it premiered in 87 in Quebec. Okay. Um, the translation was published in 1991, um, and then it was made into the movie in 96. Mm-hmm. I said 98, but it was made into the movie in 96, 96. and it was... Um, Nominated for Outstanding Film in 98 by GLAAD Media Awards. Mm-hmm. So even that, I mean, 87, that's mm-hmm. like... The height of... Yeah. yeah. And the height of the judgment of, in society around gay culture. Very much and, true, yes. You know... Um, yeah, it's so true, and I think we forget. It's the, there's a new TV show called The Real O'Neills. I don't know it. On TV, and it's the, the it's a very Catholic family, and they have all kinds of, um, it's a comedy on ABC, and they have all kinds of, um, I don't want to say problems, but they are getting a divorce, everything against what the Catholic Church stands uh-huh. for, and their son is gay. And it's very funny, and um, he's a young, you know, he's in high school, and we're always saying that would, that would have never been on TV when I was younger. And even in the 90s, you know, it, it just was very different. And that's why I worried about, not worried, but I thought with this play, I don't know if it's going to be interesting to people because it's not, the stigma around being gay is not as much, even though it's still there, I think in some areas, it's not as mm-hmm. much as what it was, say, in the 90s, where mm-hmm. I feel like this play was really making a statement. Yeah. Um, Telling a different story, yeah. for sure. Definitely. But I still enjoy it. Well, and it's still relevant, uh, you know. We uh, see heterosexual romantic love stories all the time yeah yeah and, like yeah. that's not new so. yeah yeah <laughs> you know yeah. like and yeah. we still like to see that yes so yeah. you know i think it's cathartic to see love no matter what yeah. and to see love you know either 
conquer all or not conquer all. Uh-huh. You know, depending on what the story's telling. And yeah, which is the several characters' relationships. There's um, a character called Lydia Ann, who is a um, played by Gregory um, Klesiak. I, I always struggle with his last name. Uh, he, it's one of the female characters. He plays a female character, does it wonderfully. And his character is a compulsive liar. And she starts a relationship with Simone. So you have that love relationship, which is really kind of a facade of what, for both of them. Mm-hmm. Then you have the relationship between Simone and Valier, who, uh, and we haven't mentioned Valier, but Valier is played by Dustin Moyer. And they, their relationship, which is very true to what they really feel like, um, but it's suppressed, they, which is, puts all the challenges. And then you have the relationship love between um, Valier and his mother, which is the Countess, played by Patrick Lucy Conklin. So you have these three versions of love. Interesting, yeah. That all of them are very skewed in... Um, I think what's accepted, but what's sad is, is everybody around them, these town, focus on the Lydianne and Simone, which is not a real relationship, mm-hmm. but because it's a female, male, you know, mm-hmm. um, which is the whole point of seeking truth again, is this really seeking truth on really how you feel, whether it's I really love this person or I don't, mm-hmm. um, and what you would give up for to have what you want, mm-hmm. what you love. In wondering if it matters to tell the story now or not, whatever. What are you hoping that people leave with? Mm-hmm. What's kind of the... Uh, that's a good question for every director, and I think <laughs> about it for every show. Like I said before, I feel like I focus so much on what the actors will get out of it, uh-huh. which is a great thing, but also probably a downfall for a director or a producer. So the downfall producer... Is, producer, yeah, certainly. Yeah. Um, I think <laughs> what... And I have a little message in the program, but uh-huh. for me, it's really about being honest and being having the freedom to not only love, but just be who you are. And we live in Seattle, which is a very um, open society and, and very supportive community, but I think we all still edit ourselves. We still are very much in all areas of our life, and I think... What I hope is when the audience watches, seeing this frustration that these boys are go through, these boys go through, and especially Simone, who can't admit that he's in love and has struggles with saying love, how much more freedom for themselves, but also freedom away from all the stuff that happens inside. If they were allowed to live the way they want to live, um, live freely and love freely. Mm-hmm. Um, my hope is, is that when the audience watches that they will um, feel that frustration of, God, just say it, and why can't people just leave them alone and allow them to be this, and how much, no pun intended, drama comes around this not being able to live freely, mm-hmm. um, that when they leave, they feel almost a release, even though it comes in death for these boys, that or one of them, that mm-hmm. they are able to go, oh, what a release, and what a good feeling it is to have that, and say, yeah. hey, you know what, I'm living exactly who I want to, and mm-hmm. if you don't love your job, why are you in your job? If you, you know, if you want to yeah. travel the world, travel, all those things yeah, that we... Yeah, finding that authentic yes, truth of yes. self. Yes, that's mm-hmm. what I hope in this simple little love story. Mm-hmm. Um, so the audience really becomes the advocate for... 
Simone. Uh, and, yeah, and Valier. And Valier. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think so, absolutely. And Greg Laproto, who plays the older version of Simone, has this great line um, at the end, and I won't say it, but um, it, it's very heartfelt and pleading, kind of like, why didn't you just let me live the way I wanted to live? And I, I think, you know, he suffered for it for 30 years, and being in prison and having to live this over and over, not only the loss of somebody that he loved, but being blamed for the death that he feels like he was not responsible for. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the end, you do find out what happened and why Valier was killed and who was responsible for it and mm-hmm. kind of what led up to it. Um, and the bishop, I feel like I'm naming everyone except uh, Ian uh, McIntyre um, plays the bishop as the older version of Villadeau. And he also, his character is seeking truth. And had he been able to live and be the freedom that he really fell, he wouldn't have been in the situation that he ends up in. So that's my hope. Great. Well, thank you so much. Oh. That's, I thank can't you. wait to see it. Good, good. Yeah. I'm glad that you'll get to come. Yeah. And everyone else, come and see it. Yeah, come see it. Um, tickets are available on brown paper tickets. Yes, So it's the easiest way probably to go to the Facebook event. And then yep, yep. Or even our site, okay. localjewel2ls.com. Uh, okay. Which and, we'll put a link um, to. Yep, great, and you can get tickets right there. Okay. Uh, we have a show Friday nights and Saturday nights, and then Saturday matinees. Cool. So three so, yeah. shows a weekend yeah. uh, through April 9th, yeah. so a couple more weeks. Yes. Great. So thank you thank very you much. So it was a fun conversation. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely.